0: Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Althea Williams. She is the founder and chief influence officer of SheVetsIt. How are you doing today, Althea?
1: I'm doing fine in yourself.
0: I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story and your journey. I'm honored to have you here and I'm looking forward to jumping in and, and sharing a bit about your story. So thank you. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you. And it's, it's an honor for me to be on your platform. So thank you so much for the invitation.
0: Oh, it is my pleasure. So Althea, as mentioned, you are the founder and chief information officer. She vets it. You yourself are a combat veteran, an award-winning chamber of commerce executive, a motivational speaker, along with the many other hats that you wear. And last, but certainly not least, you're a mother and a grandmother. Now, I was reading your bio and resume and was getting exhausted just looking at it and all the things you're involved in and that you do. How on earth do you find all the time for this and how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization for you?
1: Wow. Actually, just prioritize my time by just family first and then I do everything else, but I have a set schedule for what I do what she vets it. And it's on set days and set times. Right, And I try not to move too far away from those schedules. And that kind of keeps me on track.
0: Now, I'd love to learn and speak a bit more about your time that you spent in the Army. How long were you in the Army and what inspired you to join the Army?
1: I was in the Army for about eight years before I was medically retired. But what inspired me to join the military was my uncle, you know, growing up around my uncle, and and most of my family members are veterans. I just always wanted to join. I, I don't know what it was, but I just was so inspired to join.
0: Wow. Okay. Now, you're a combat veteran, as mentioned, did you go into the army with the intent of going off to war and actually wanting to engage in combat?
1: You know, I actually, I knew when I joined the military and let me just back up real quick. I joined at the age of 39. Okay. Wow. (laughs) So, yes. So I wanted to join when I was out of high school, but something kept coming up and then I went to college and then there was constantly something where I couldn't join at the time, but then I was about to turn 39, the recession hit and I said, I want to join. And it was more so because it was something I always wanted to do. And I always heard someone say that at the end of your life, you'll always regret what you didn't do. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I always wanted to join the military. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. My model in life is living with no regrets. Yeah. And so it was something I wanted to do. And I knew I was going to go off to war or there was a possibility because that's, we all sign up knowing that there's a possibility. Right. But I was okay with that because I was willing to serve my country.
0: Now, how did you imagine military life before you joined? And how did your perceptions of it change after serving? I mean, I know that you, a lot of your family was in the military. So I'm sure they gave you their thoughts and perspective on being in the military. But for you personally, How did you imagine it and how did your perceptions change of it after serving?
1: Well, what happened is I lived, I guess out of high school, I lived close to a military town. So a lot of my peers and friends were in the military, but I wasn't in. So a lot of my good friends were in it. And it was just like, I don't know, I just love the camaraderie with them and just, you know, hanging out with them. I was part of them, but wasn't part of. You know, (laughs) yeah. I just love the connection that they had and just being around that. It was something that I, I wanted. And so it didn't seem like it was anything. I don't know. I just, you know, I I heard about war and things like that, but it wasn't anything that just scared me off to say, oh, I don't want to join the military. It was something I wanted to do.
0: Yeah. Did you see multiple deployments when you're in service?
1: I served in Afghanistan for nine months. Um, during Operation Enduring Freedom, and then I also uh, lived in Germany for three years. So that's considered a short—well, I guess a short deployment.
0: Right. And so, how did those experiences differ from each other, and how did you change throughout those experiences?
1: Joining military. You know, you could ask people's advice about joining the military, but it's nothing like being in it because they can't give you the emotions and the different things that you encounter, you know, losing battle buddies or maybe losing someone in AIT, which is our training. I lost someone in AIT. And so immediately life in the military gets real, real fast. You know, it's losing people is very common. You know, if you didn't lose a, a battle buddy, you know, someone who has. Those feelings started, that became real for me. So, you know, going to Afghanistan, losing battle buddies, and then being away from my daughter when she's going through the prom, or yeah. my daughter, she's in kindergarten and can't go there. So those are a lot of things that you don't really think about. Those are emotions that no one can tell you. You kind of have to go through it.
0: Right, right. Is there anything that you wish that civilians understood that they may be not about military service?
1: I guess when it comes to mental health, a lot of times people just uh, makes assumptions about veterans, and veterans have various experiences. Someone can be in the military for 20 years or 15 years and never experience deployment. Someone else could be in for three years and experience deployment and traumatic experience. So a lot of times veterans get put in one box. And so I would say veterans just, you know, just be open to a veteran and get a chance to know a veteran because everyone's experience is different. Before I joined the military, my good friend was in at 18 And I know she had experiences that I did not, I couldn't relate to, but it wasn't until I joined that I was able to relate to her experience.
0: Now, I'm going to assume here that, that the military is fairly male dominated. So I'm curious, because you hear lots of stories about women being treated unfairly in the military. What was your experience during your time? And did you have to face and deal with any kind of adversity? And if so, how did you handle that?
1: I would say... If you're meaning like genderism and things, I would say with me joining at 39, I had to deal more with ageism. Okay. Because I was about to turn 39. Most of your first sergeants are about 38, 39. And most of your commanders are twenty five, and then those that are just getting in are usually my kids' age. You're like, you know, out of school, so my peers became my kids' age, and then you can't really fraternize, hang out with yeah. those that are around your age because they're your senior NCOs, right. so which is non commissioned officers. And so that was a challenge and then when I was in basic I was always like the old person <laughs> and I'm like I was like wait a minute hey in civilian world I'm young okay I'm still yeah. young I'm still considered a young professional for your information
0: <laughs> So how did you handle and deal with that then the whole ageism thing
1: Well, you know, because I was very experienced as I worked as an executive director, so I had some life experience. So I knew how to work in those arenas. I knew how to go up the chain. I knew how to handle myself. But it was just when you do have those challenges where you may have a boss who's 21 and, and she may be intimidated because she looks at your resume. Oh, she has an MBA or BA yeah. or whatever my background is, it's like, but I'm very humble. So I, I never went in like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm this, I'm that, you know, cause basic pretty much breaks you down. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what basic is for. Basic will break you. It it breaks you down.
0: And how long <laughs> so does basic humble, training last?
1: About is it eight? I want to say eight weeks, Eight weeks. six or eight weeks. Okay. Um, but if you're not humble, basic will humble. Well, you
0: <laughs> <laughs> one way you're coming out one way or another. You're coming out humbled.
1: <laughs> it, exactly. You either come coming in humble or you're getting out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Althea, can you describe how you felt coming home from combat?
1: Wow. I was thinking about that. Coming back home from combat was a challenge because for nine months, I kind of developed into this new person and I didn't know that I was developing to a new person because it was a nine month process for me, but for my family, it wasn't, they saw me one way and then I come home a different way. But for me, I'm normal. Cause yeah. I've been like this for nine months. I yeah. grew into that. <laughs> you yeah. know. So I kind of came in feeling like it was me against my family. Like they didn't understand me and I felt kind of isolated. I didn't feel understood. And I think because I wasn't yet ready to share, you know, my combat experiences, losing battle buddies, and just the whole experience of just being in combat.
0: And so, how long then did it take you to go through that transition to get back to some? state of, for lack of a better term, normalcy, where you felt acclimated back into civilian life and things got back to, I guess, the old way before you left.
1: Oh my goodness. You're probably not going to believe this, but I'm just now learning some things of just trying to find my identity as a civilian. I can believe that. I'm still working on that. It's a process because I was in for eight years and you're used to doing things a certain way for eight years there's a routine you have in place and now you're out the military and so now you have to figure out how to function and then too going back to getting out transition from combat to home i didn't address those things right away so those things kind of lingered for a while and that led into my when i i didn't actually start dealing with that until I experienced a traumatic brain injury when I was in Germany. And so that kind of delayed the process of me transitioning.
0: How has your family been in terms of support? I mean, like you said they, they didn't understand when you first came home, but have they been able to shift into that supportive role as opposed to not understanding what you're going through? Because no one else can understand what you've been through unless they've been through what you've been through. So like you say, your army buddies, your battle buddies, people who have been in the military. So it's a lot harder for people outside of that environment to understand. So have they acclimated to where you're
1: at? Yes. I think the breaking point was like, I deployed in 2013 to 2014 And then I was out of the military 2018, but ended up getting TBI, the accident in 2016. So it wasn't until then I felt like I was on this roller coaster that was just out of control. And until I got in the accident, things stopped and everyone had to pay attention. It was then they had to kind of treat me for my brain injury, but also they needed me to work on the PTSD to work on my combat issues so that they are able to determine what symptoms were coming from where.
0: Now, speaking of your TBI, would you mind sharing a little bit about that story with us?
1: Uh, Sure. So I was in in Germany. I lived there for three years and I ended up getting into an automobile accident. Um, It was during a, a snowstorm and the car veered, Into incoming traffic. It was a Mustang, and I didn't know Mustangs. Nobody sent me the memo that Mustangs and snow don't work. And that's probably because I'm from California. I'm a California. There you go.
0: (laughs) I'm sure that had a big part to play in that.
1: (laughs) Yes. So if I knew that, I wouldn't have shipped the Mustang over to to Germany. (laughs) (laughs) But I would say that the TBI was my saving grace. I think it allowed me to really start doing some inner look of what was going on with me and to kind of help me and my family to get on track.
0: Now, what advice then would you have, seeing as you've gone through it, for others transitioning out of the military and back into civilian life?
1: I would say if you're going to transition, don't wait for the military to tell you when you should prepare to get out. I say you need to be preparing as soon as you get in the military. You need to have an exit plan. You need to have an exit plan years before what job, What whether you're going to get a job or a career or you want to start your own business, start planning that stuff out now and start seeking mentors and start courting companies that hire veterans, find your community, a tribe of people that have already transitioned successfully so that they can help you assist you and give you some tools and guidance and lead you in the right direction. And the reason I say that is because women veterans are the largest segment of the homeless population amongst veterans. Oh so, transition gosh. is very important, is understanding. And it's due, one, is unemployment. Two, I know just being a single parent and just that financial stability and everything. So, there's a lot of different factors, but unemployment. So, if we can start planning ahead and really having that plan ahead of time i think that would help in connecting really really connect find a tribe of women that have already transitioned out find a mentor
0: now was there anything or anyone that was instrumental or resources that were instrumental in helping you during your transition
1: i would Who did say you have? i would say when i say the tbi having when i experienced the tbi i went through a warrior transition unit and they pretty much guided me through the process of getting out. And I would say not everyone have that opportunity. You know, some people just their enlistment is up and then they're out. But because I was injured, I was able to, you know, get some guidance, but I didn't know what I was going to do because I really didn't know what I was able to do because with the traumatic brain injury, still going through brain therapy and trying to figure out what was my, my stress levels and things that I can handle. And so that's why I started She Vets It because I knew I could work according to my own pace.
0: Now, you have said that you vow to spend the next chapter of your life to serve and inspire women's vet, women veterans to push towards their purpose after the uniform. Why is this mission so personally important to you?
1: I say it's important to me because I joined close at 39 and what happened is I started looking at how my combat experience had an impact on me, you know, being depressed, anxiety, um, PTSD, um, all the things that were going on with me. And I was at a really, really low and dark place. And I was just thinking, I joined older I had a strong sense of who I was. I had faith. You know, I prayed about joining the military and I felt I got a confirmation to get in, but I still struggled. And I said, how much more is it for our younger veterans? And and right now, you know, every day, 22 veterans commit suicide a day. And so I'm like, how many of these young veterans who don't know who they are and is struggling. And so that's why I want to just use my time. I said, if I can't do anything else, I can at least reach back in and pull a a veteran uh, forward.
0: So I'm going to assume here that a big part of this mission as well is part of the reason anyways, is behind starting It correct? that's a big part of yes. why you started it. So, did you have the plan like you you were saying that you would advise people that are going to be transitioning out to have a plan ready while they're in? So, was She vets it something that you had thought about and started planning while you were in service? And can you also share a little bit about what She vets it is all about and when you started it?
1: Sure. I didn't plan. She it. It wasn't something that I thought I was ever going to do. I was just going to do an enlistment. I already had my MBA. I was going to get out and I was going to get my doctorate right and possibly teach and do different things. And so when I end up with the traumatic brain injury and I had some limitations, I was like, oh, my gosh, what can I do? And then I thought about it like, hey, you know, you still are a connector. You still have the ability to connect people. And so I thought, you know what? I could still do that. I could do it virtually. I could connect veterans with resources, just like I did in the chamber of commerce. I could still do that. Now, you know, I could still um, support veterans and give back in that kind of way. So, but that's what she vetted. It's about. It's about bridging the gap between veterans and military families and veteran organizations and those that support us.
0: Love it. I think that's beautiful. The work you're doing is incredible, especially with the stats you mentioned about 22, committing- 22. Sorry. That is horribly hot. Like that's terrible, mm-hmm. terrible. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're coming back to, to civilian life and they feel completely lost and don't know where to turn. Yes.
1: I agree. And like I said, I believe if I didn't have the traumatic brain injury, and I didn't go through the process that I went through, I don't know if I would be here. So that's why I just want to be able to inspire and motivate other veterans to let them know that no matter what they're going through, no matter what traumatic experience they have gone through, that they still have purpose. They can still use whatever their gifts are, yeah. but do the work, go to counseling, do the work.
0: What is the long-term plan or goal for Shivetsa And how has it been received by the women you're reaching out to and who are part of it?
1: The long-term goal is to really, to have a larger platform more of a brick and mortar where I'm able to support and provide programs for veterans in collaboration with other organizations that are out there. And also, you know, I always say with all the different veteran organizations, there's two million women veterans out there, and then more, just all of us collectively, male and females. One organization cannot help the whole, entire population right. of veterans, but us collectively we can collaborate and we can put a dent in some of the the suicide rates the the homeless rates and the different issues that impact our veteran community
0: yeah for sure now you mentioned the chamber of commerce can you speak a little bit about a little bit about your work with the LA Hollywood and California Chambers of Commerce what your involvement is and has been and how you got involved with working with them
1: oh yes so before I joined the military, I used to run a chamber of commerce, and so with that, I end up getting recognized by WACI, which is the Western Association of Chamber Execs, and then California Chamber Execs, and then there's Southern California Chamber Execs. And so I was asked to speak on a panel with Los Angeles and Hollywood Chamber on teaching other chambers on how to grow their chamber. So I did a lot of work in the the business community. I've worked for the Small Business Development Center and also worked as a liaison for the film commission out there. So that's why if you see on my platform, you'll see a lot of things that deal with business, or entertainment, those were my background, and I know that veterans do very, very well in business. Some of your major corporations have been established by veterans, Nike, Walmart, you know, and then um, some of our major actors in Hollywood were veterans too, so those are areas that I tend to kind of favor a little, but I also focus on bringing in guest speakers that talk about mental health and wellness.
0: Which is such an important piece that like, that's the most important piece of all of that is, again, because you're acclimating back into society, civilian life, and what vets have experienced in combat, and then having to come back and deal with that. Mental health is a huge issue. I mean, mental health worldwide is a huge issue, a huge issue to begin with, that I think that It still doesn't get dealt with. It's still like it's a dirty little secret. It gets swept under the rug that people don't want to recognize it and people don't want to deal with it. I mean, I have to say that things are shifting around that mindset, I think, and people are starting to recognize and realize that, hey, you know what, this is more of a problem than we wanted to admit before. But I think we still have a long way to go with recognizing that and shining a brighter light on mental health and the problems that people experience and go through as a result of.
1: Yes, definitely. And I, I find that when people find their purpose in their calling, I think it helps a lot. I th- think, you know, when you find your place and you know where you're supposed to be, I think it gives you opportunity to really want to start doing the work. And so like for me, you know, I dealt with mental health issues with, you know, coming back from Afghanistan, but I found my purpose with She Vets It. And I know this is what I'm called to do. And so that feeling of self-actualization or just feeling like you're doing what you've been created to do, I think that's fulfilling and that's what I want those that are transitioning out the military to be able to find that next chapter in their life and to find their purpose.
0: Well, I think the work you're doing with SheVets is incredible and much needed. So kudos to you for actually putting that together to help others and give back in that way. That's huge. Thank you. Now you have done and do quite a bit of philanthropic work. Can you speak a little bit about some of the organizations you work with? I mean, besides what you're doing with yours, she vets it. What other organizations do you work with and and what type of work are you doing?
1: Well, I work um, in my local community with the Chamber of Commerce, charitable work with other veteran organizations. You know, I, I get called from other organizations to see if I can come and speak to people in their community. And it's mostly my local community. I've worked with Volunteers of America. I've actually have spoken to some of their participants and most of the time is there to inspire and to uplift because a lot of times you have veterans that actually didn't transition out of the military well And so maybe feeling hopeless. And so I just go there to, you know, just to let them know there's programs and there's opportunities out there for them and how to plug into those things, just to inspire them, to let them know, Hey, we're all going to go through some challenges, but we just, we we need each other. You don't isolate. You need to connect with people so that people can lead you to where you need to go.
0: Yeah. I would think that letting them know that they're not alone in this and that they have support, and there is support for them to lean on would be probably one of the most important things.
1: Yes, yes. And that's the thing with with suicide. And with mental health is a lot of times those that deal with depression, your biggest thing is you want to isolate, you want to Not be around people. Like with me, I don't always want to be around people. But because I created She Vets It, it forces me to be accountable because now I have people that are counting on me to show up. So I can't sell clothes if I'm naked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Can not yeah. sell people clothes if I'm naked?
0: <laughs> I love so, the analogy, but I mean, what you've created, it, you're you're giving back and helping other people, but in the process, it's helping you too, which is great.
1: Oh yes, this is reciprocal. I yeah. say that she, that's it, has been helping me. Probably, I don't know. It's. It, I was going to say more than others, but I have had people call me and say, or message me and say, hey, thank you so much. When I went into one of your rooms and you had this conversation on Clubhouse, it saved my life. Or I've had people that called and said they wanted to take their life. And so I've had people who ran into financial issues and I was able to connect them with organizations. So I say that it's, it's helpful. That's what this community is about, is finding your tribe and finding people that will, that you are able to be accountable with each other. And though God may have given me the vision for She Vets It, but She is It is really the community, the people that are within She Vets it. So it's not, I always say it's not about me.
0: Yeah. It's about
1: the people that are in She Vets it.
0: it. It's much bigger than you.
1: Oh yes, definitely. That is so powerful. Thank you.
0: What inspires you the most about all the work you're doing now, Althea?
1: What inspires me is that the results of it changing people's lives and I sometimes, there's days where I'm like, oh, this is too much. I don't know if I can do this. And I remember one day I was just, believe it or not, I was coming back from a pre-Oscar award event from California and I was just tired. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I was sitting in my tub. I was like, I just needed a break. And I was just like, just soaking it up. And then some, I looked on my phone and someone sent a video and it said, they said, support this person because she's doing the work. And it just like really that moment and and just messages like that just kind of keeps me going, knowing that I'm doing something that people know that makes a difference. And that's what keeps continuously to give me the drive, because I don't do it for monetary purposes. I do it. This is a passion, and that is to help women veterans.
0: Well, it's your mission. It's your purpose in life now.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. You know, the monetary, that part is just for expansion to be able to have a broader reach. Right. But it's not what I run after. That's not my.
0: No, that's not the motivator. It's it's again, it's it's much bigger than you. It's your reason for being here.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: To date, Althea, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win?
1: Mm, I would say I've done and accomplished so much in my life. That even before the military, I would say, wow, if I do nothing else, if God does nothing else for me, I've lived my life. But I would say one thing that I'm most proud of is actually joining the military at 39, close to 39, going to combat, fighting for my country and coming back and being able to serve my community. To me, that's more fulfilling than me being able to sit at breakfast with the governor or bring yeah. in a president on a committee. And all the different things that I've been able to accomplish over the years is nothing like serving my country.
0: What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful?
1: I would say my superpower is my ability to connect with people on any level. It doesn't matter which level I could talk to the president and feel comfortable. I could talk to someone that's homeless. It doesn't matter. I just have an ability and love to connect people. I, I, I say I'm a connector.
0: Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you?
1: I said success is, like you say, for me, for others, that everyone has their different goals in life and purpose. And I say, when you set that goal and then you reach it and you do your very best, to accomplish it, I say that's success for me. If I say I'm going to start a, let's say a coffee business, and not only do I start it, but every goal that I had for that business, I'm achieving it. And so to me, that is successful is whatever it is that I, I set forth, that I do it with the best of my ability.
0: Excellent. Can you share a situation that's occurred in your life that you feel provides insight as to your character, who Althea is as a person?
1: Wow, I guess I I was just thinking, just you know, just being that connector. I remember I was working on a film set, actually a TV um, series is called Good Guys, and also Chase here in Texas before I joined the military. And I remember seeing this film; they were casting for someone, and usually people tend to look for things that just benefit them, right? And so I saw an opportunity; it didn't benefit me, and I called someone I said hey there's an opportunity for this film and I said I'm going to give you the casting person's information I gave him the information and he ended up being like the main stand-in for the main actor in Battleship the, t- the movie yeah. and with Rihanna and different doors open for him from that point and then he, he wrote a book and then he had me in the book and said hey you remember I was telling you all about you know how I got started and you know he's a film producer director now and how things opened he said is when I met Althea and so that opportunity I learned because I just I'm just always a given person always want to help people yeah. and so when I saw that Connecting someone. It didn't seem like it was anything major, but sometimes the smallest things, you don't know the doors that it will open for others. And that's why, when she vets it, I'm not so concerned about how packed my rooms or how packed or how many followers I have, but how impactful it is for that individual. Because one person, you change one person's life, you change their family's life. And as a result, you change a community. So for me, it's always about, you know, individuals, someone touched me. And so now I'm reaching out and helping others.
0: There is no feeling in the world like that being able to give back and impact another person's life It is the most beautiful thing that we as human beings can do in this world. And I think that we all have a responsibility to do that in life. That's what we're here for is to serve humanity and give back.
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely.
0: Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why?
1: Wow. There's been several, I've had so many people in my life that's, you know, been an impact. The different stages that you go through in life, there's different people that come in and out, but I would think the person I would think of right now, because they just celebrated their 78th birthday and that's my father-in-law. And with him, he's always been such a giver. And so with his family, his time, the way he is, everything about him, he just, but he's never goes without. And so I've learned that a lot of times people are Afraid to give because they feel like if they give, they won't have. But when you give, the universe of God has a way of blessing you, like what you make happen for others. God will make happen for you so I learned that through him and even with that and even my other family members my mom my, my mom is a big giver as well a lot of people in my my life have been just big givers and for that that's why I do what I do as well
0: love it so beautiful Althea mm-hmm. can you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness made a difference in your life
1: oh uh, wow (laughs) too many going back you know what going back to my father-in-law the reason why I say my father-in-law he comes to mind is because when I experienced a traumatic brain injury and I had to go through like tons of appointments he came out for five months and he was my caretaker because my husband couldn't be there as much and my kids they were in school and he came out He lost his wife. He had just got notification. He was cancer free. And so he came out and he unselfishly, like he didn't complain at all, but he came and he gave his time to make sure I was able to go to every single appointment. He was there for me, anything I needed. He made sure from sun up to sundown, he was there. So that's why I mentioned him as far as a person that give unselfishly. Yeah,
0: that's powerful. What does the word empowerment mean to you, Althea?
1: Ooh, empowerment is. Gosh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> empowerment is is giving someone a push towards whatever it is that they are leaning towards, or where they're supposed to be. You know, validating who they are and their ability to do what it is they're called to do.
0: Hey, okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions <laughs> should just be one, two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. What was your very first job?
1: My very first job, JC Penney's.
0: What was your dream job as a child? A lawyer. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it and what would it say?
1: Times Square, don't quit. You got this.
0: <laughs> I love it. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say?
1: I'm a gentle lion.
0: If you could teach the world. I'm still a lion. (laughs) 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 Gotta make that clear. I'm still a lion.
1: I'm still a lion. I'm a gentle lion. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm still a lion.
0: (laughs) There you go. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be?
1: To love one another, and respect one another. What is one thing? I guess that's two things. That's okay. (laughs) That's all right.
0: No problem. What is one thing you want but cannot buy with money?
1: Mm. Time.
0: What is one of your favorite quotes?
1: I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
0: That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Althea, what is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for?
1: Experiencing the TBI that allow me to get back on, on focus, get back focused with my family. And to find my purpose.
0: What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it?
1: The best version of me is showing up for myself every day. Self-care, self-love, and then showing up for others.
0: Speaking of showing up for yourself, what is your way of showing up for yourself every single day?
1: Then no matter what I feel like, get up, take that shower, put on your good clothes,
0: <laughs> and...
1: Even when you don't feel like it, and that's been helpful for me when you deal with depression is that you get up anyway and you you know, wash your hair and brush your teeth and and get dressed, put on. That's the day you show up and you put your good clothes on. And so I always tell people the day that I look my best is probably the day that I don't always feel my best.
0: That's great. Show up, (laughs) get up and put your good clothes on. I love it.
1: Yes, because your mind will eventually have to catch up. With yeah. how you do.
0: beautifully said. Althea, if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why?
1: It would be Maya Angelou. She is someone, I, I read her books as a young girl, All God's Children Need Traveling Shoes. And I would just love to have a conversation with her because we're from a different period, but she was able to be you know, very successful during a different time. So I would love to to speak with her. She's just a woman full of wisdom.
0: If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
1: you do not need validation from anyone. God created you, and that settles it.
0: Straight and to the point. I love it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, like your corner of the world, your people, your tribe, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? What would you say?
1: You were created for a purpose. All the good things that you've experienced in life, the bad, and even indifference, those situations, not one thing will be unused. Everything you go through is leading you to your purpose. Don't quit because you were designed for a purpose to whatever that is. Don't quit because your story is going to be beautiful afterwards. It doesn't look like it, but it will be. You'll see.
0: Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Althea. I appreciate you so much taking the time to be here and share a bit about your stories, your experiences, your journey. You are an incredible inspiration and with the amazing work you're doing, please keep shining that bright, beautiful light of yours onto the world and giving back in the way that you do. You are a true inspiration and I appreciate you so much. And I'm so grateful that our paths crossed and to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for making the time and being here today to share with me.
1: Oh, thank you so much. You got me blushing. I appreciate it. I'm just as honored. I thank you so much for just sharing stories of many people that are out there. I, I thank you. Thank you for what you do.
0: It is my pleasure, my honor. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your powerography podcast today. My guest has been Althea Williams. She's the founder and CIO of she Vets It. Althea, thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day.
1: Thank you. You do the same.
0: Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.